Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. I do podcast episode 25. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or a relationship question you'd like answered? 
Email us at info at idopodcast.com and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Jasbina Aluwalia. Hey, Jasbina. Hey, Sarah and Chase. It's a pleasure to be here and congratulations. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here today with you. Jasbina is an attorney turned entrepreneur happily married, second-generation, Indian-American dating and relationship coach, matchmaker, and radio show host. She is the founder and president of Intersections Match, the only North America-wide elite personalized matchmaking and relationship coaching firm for Indian singles. She has received worldwide press, including Business Week, Chicago Tribune, Entrepreneur Magazine, San Jose Mercury News, live TV, and radio. Jasbina previously practiced law in San Francisco and Chicago. She earned her BA, MA in philosophy from Vanderbilt University and JD from the University of Michigan Law School. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Sure. Well, as you mentioned, we work with uh, with Indian Americans, and so having come from a culture where many of us were told, "Don't date, don't date, don't date," okay, I get married. Um, you know, because many many of our parents have arranged marriages. You know, when I became serious about finding a life partner and wanted to be in love, to have feelings for my partner actually on my wedding day, as opposed to having love after marriage, you know, exclusively, I made it my mission to go on what I call my dating adventures as well as check out, you know, what's available out there about love, relationships, gender dynamics, all that good stuff. So after finding my life partner and realizing that, you know, really sustaining the great thing we had, um, you know, sustaining an incredible relationship would, you know, would likely involve continuous sort of evolution and, and, um, and study in that sense. I decided to, uh, you know, to kind of make it my mission to share my learnings with others, uh, navigating, finding, and uh, and keeping happy and healthy relationships. So I, you know, I've always had an entrepreneurial bent to me as well. So I wanted to create a venture that where I could focus on, you know, having high impact on people and um, luxury too. Of course, I'm a big fan of lifestyle design. So mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, having a family was down the road for me, and I felt like you know, running my own thing would be more aligned with raising the kids the way I wanted to and all of that as well. So it all really fed into um, doing what I do today. Awesome. Well, your journey sounds amazing, and we can't wait to listen to all the amazing things that you found out along the way. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Well, our topic today is five ways you may be sabotaging your relationship. <laughs> Sometimes we we're doing certain things that we don't realize that we're that we're sabotaging the relationship. And the point that you mention in one of your articles is that the answer may not lie with your partner, but with you. Yes, I'm a big fan of looking internally before you go externally. And so, now really, two points on that matter that I want to touch upon. One is, you know, the ability to look inwards and identify what I call your stuff, um, including the stuff you may be projecting on your partner is crucially important. And by stuff, what I mean is, you know, the stories that we all create based on, you know, based on our past, whether that past be, 
you know, as far back as our childhood or as recent as our last relationship, right, prior to mm-hmm. uh, being with the one. Um, you know, regarding what it, you know, and for the stories we create regarding what it means when he or she, when our partner says or does something, it's not so much about they do, it's but I think it's the stories we create and the meaning we give to that that becomes a problem for us. And so, too, you know, the, uh, an important point to keep in mind, um, you know, in my opinion, is the only person that we can truly control is ourselves. So um, when we make changes to improve ourselves, um, you know, the relationship will likely start to reflect those changes in a positive way. But if we take another route and decide instead that, you know, the the route to changing our relationship is changing our partner, mm-hmm. which a lot of us right. tend to default to, right? If it's only, you know, the only problem is if he or she is doing X, Y, and Z, if I can just fix that or really if he can just fix that, all's good. Um, I think that's a dangerous road to toe. And instead, we're going to look at how are we contributing to this and realizing that really, like I said, the only person we can change is ourselves. So that that could very, you know, very likely be enough, too, because making a change to ourselves is going to, you know, reverberate in the relationship, um, even if the other person is not consciously making those same changes, right? Because he or she will be reacting to the changes mm-hmm. we make. So starting with ourselves is one of the most uh, empowering things, you know, empowering realizations we can make, uh, which I love. And then it's uh, really effective. Yeah, it's huge. You know, everyone, you want to, naturally, we want to point the finger, whether it's at work, in a relationship, at the other person involved. But so many times we need to look introspectively at ourselves. Absolutely. You got it. Um, and we, you know, we do contribute in different ways and identifying the ways we're contributing or sometimes takes a little while. It's not always immediately evident. But if we really look inward, um, we will be able to find it. And one of the things you talk about a partner doing is looking for mistakes in someone else. And you mentioned if someone's watching the ditches, you're just waiting for them to put up the dishes in the wrong place or maybe not scrub them like you would like. <laughs> so just looking for mistakes and, and that's really a, can be a problem. Absolutely. So, you know, I do believe that what you focus on does expand sort of in your consciousness. So if, you know, if you've got the lens of, all right, you know, I know he or she's going to screw up and I'm just looking for the evidence of that. It's going to be very easy to find just because, well, I believe we kind of walk around as little evidence seekers. I mean, you know, we have our lenses and we are using those lenses to kind of ascertain our world, right? And so we're looking for the screw up. We're definitely going to find it. No question. We're all fallible. So I'm sure, you know, all of our partners are going to have the screw ups and it's where our lens goes. Versus if we look for... Wow, how is um, this person really trying their best, really trying to, you know, do X, Y, and Z? There are evidence seekers are going to find that as well. So if we can um, focus more on that as opposed to finding the ways our partner is, you know, going to screw up, we're going to find ourselves faced with, you know, kind of being thrown as less of a screw up and more, uh, more of realizing what's going well. Do you have an advice for the person who maybe be tempted to, lash out at somebody for their mistakes, but maybe some advice to address the issue versus attacking them on, on what they're doing? You know, first of all, I think we all, uh, I think one, when you find yourself reacting, so I think that, you know, if there's something that, you know, an objective person would say, okay, that's sort of a little incident or something. And we are finding ourselves reacting almost out of proportion, right? Like we all, that we, just fumed up, like, I can't believe he or she did that one, you know, another time or whatever. Again, that's 
tends to be a store we're creating. So, for example, let's say, um, as you as you said, maybe, you know, let's say the dishes or something, that looking for um, your partner, you know, again, putting the dish in the way you, you know, ask him not to because, you know, when he does it, you're more likely when you empty it to drop it. Let's say that that's the scenario, right? Mm-hmm. So you notice, again, wow, you just had that conversation last night or last week. And again, you open the dishwasher and what do you find? You know, that same thing placed in that same way. So, um, so if you, you know, react, you know, out of, sort of somewhat out of proportion in the sense of, you know, just get really burnt up about that, like really explosive about that. I think generally what's going on there is someone is, you know, the person who finds that glass done incorrectly again is likely a, ascribing some meaning to that, right? Like, wow, he obviously doesn't care about me or he obviously doesn't respect me. And there's some meaning we're describing versus, you know, maybe he was thoughtless or careless. It's unlikely, you know, you would have to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's unlikely that he meant to really hurt you, that he meant to disrespect you, right? So again, it goes, I think when when we react out of proportion, and that's, again, what it, you know, in terms of identifying your stuff, when we react out of proportion, I think it generally has to do in some way with the meaning we're ascribing. Um, and again, so kind of really to step back, if you find yourself, someone finds themselves, you know, reacting that way. And of course, this, this is not, you know, we're all available. So this is, you know, no one does this perfectly. But if we, if we can catch ourselves and just have, you know, develop enough of a self-awareness to realize, wow, I'm getting burnt up about that. Let me step back. So either you get burnt up and you can immediately, you know, react to that. Or you can say, wow, I'm really noticing about yourself. Kind of get outside yourself. Wow, I'm really burnt up about this before saying, doing anything. It's going to take a moment. And then, you know, once you practice doing that, kind of make it a habit, um, like any other, any other thing. If you can make that your habit as opposed to defaulting right away to your, um, to reacting, then you can pro- likely kind of identify the source. Someone might journal about it or just, you know, some exercise, meditation, journal. To be able to figure out, wow, what what is going on here really? What is it? And then it might be, you know, like I said, generally I think it is something like, oh, well, you know, I to me it's disrespect. To me, that's my partner disrespecting me again. And that's that's kind of hit at the core, right? If you really feel your partner completely disrespects you, most people would have a big issue and that would warrant, you know, that so then it becomes a, a way to, you know, then you step back, you, you know, you calm down, and then you can address it with your partner. You can even share sort of the meaning you ascribe to it. So the partner can, you know, let you know that, oh, wow, okay, now I understand that you feel, okay, maybe they'll even make a greater effort to not do that anymore once they understand what it is for you. And then you again have to own that for yourself, right, and kind of realize, you know, when he or she says it, you realize, okay, this isn't what it's about. It's him being careless or is she being X, Y, and Z, but it's not about disrespecting me, mm-hmm. right? Right, so, um, So I think that, you know, again, having a level of self-awareness, you can kind of catch yourself. Stop yourself from defaulting to an immediate reaction and then really figure out what's going on and then express yourself with your partner. So it's not about just, you know, um, when you're in a partnership, I think your stuff does become the other person. So to some extent, at least an awareness of that. But, uh, but I think it is our own personal responsibility to still be able to work through our stuff and to identify that it's our stuff versus, you know, uh, something else. Oh, that's great advice. Lots of great key tips in there for our listeners that to take home. Uh, another one that we're going to talk about is backing down to avoid conflict and how that built-up resentment can end up creating problems. Sure. Like you said, resentment, that is the biggest drawback 
to uh, to backing down. And, you know, the ability to resolve conflict in a win-win way is one of the most important relationship skills a couple can have and develop um, and further develop, you know, as, as time goes by. Uh, you know, I believe conflict and is a natural and an organic part of a relationship, especially a relationship where you have two people who are really, you know, in, in my opinion, a healthy relationship where two people are comfortable, you know, expressing themselves, right? Um, so regularly giving in just to avoid conflict, you know, as you said, you know, creates a breeding ground for resentment. Um, and I don't believe that's sustainable for the long term. So what gets suppressed? you know, I believe that what gets suppressed tends to get expressed eventually, right? It doesn't go away. So it does get expressed. Right. And the way it gets expressed is often in relationship compromising ways, right? So um, when you're resentful, you are also, you know, less likely to be accurate about what your needs are and also less likely to give your partner what they need. So it's counterproductive. No one's getting really what they want here. Um, and this actually, you know, creates a counterproductive cycle for both people to it really feels dissatisfied in a kind of continuous and consistent way. So, you know, backing down to avoid conflict, I believe, is really, is very much counterproductive. And instead, being able to work together to resolve conflict, again, in a way that um, is win-win, in the sense that no one feels they're always sort of um, the one with the short end of the stick, right? Because that's not sustainable. But in a way that everyone's expressing themselves and, um, you know, just being able to work through it and not seeing, um, you know, not seeing conflict as something negative about your dynamic, but rather something that gives you the opportunity to grow stronger by working through it. Absolutely. And, and also always having to be right and not having that self-awareness to realize that sometimes you are wrong and accepting that and and maybe moving on from that. But always being right is another way that can sabotage your relationship. Absolutely. I say, you know, would you you rather always be right? And truly, none of us are always right, right? You know, but Mm -hmm. would you rather always be right or else? Or have your partner feel heard and understood, right? Even if those cases where you really think that sort of almost objectively you are, and maybe you are, frankly, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, having your partner feel, feel he, you know, heard and understood is really sort of winning the war and sort of the battle in that sense, too. So, you know, asserting that you're right may feel satisfying in the moment or, uh, you know, you know, satisfying or self-righteous, what have you, you know. But it can send a counterproductive message to your partner that, you know, being right is just more important to you than, you know, their viewpoint and mm-hmm. more important than resolving resolving the conflict. Um, so, you know, this, you know, I think if you go that route, you, you know, your partner is more likely to feel undervalued, defensive, and, you know, and again, less open to, you know, giving, giving you what, what your needs are in the relationship. So, um, again, feeling heard and understood is something I believe we all want. And what a gift it is if you can give your partner that, right? Because they're not, it's, it's hard to get that from sort of everywhere in the world, but your partner can be sort of that oasis for you in terms of may not always agree. And in fact, I don't think there's anything unhealthy in not agreeing, but feeling heard and understood, that's a whole different thing. And I think that actually is something to strive for. Yeah. And, and you talked about a big key of a relationship is solving conflict with a win-win situation. And if you always have to be right, that means the other person is losing. So it's uh, that's not going to work. Absolutely. Well, great. And we talk about 
another way of sabotaging a relationship is you expect your partner to be a mind reader. So to all the psychics out there, you, you just you just can't do it. So can you elaborate on that? Sure. And while I think, you know, I am interested in gender dynamics, and I got to say, as a woman, I got to say, I do feel women more are, are, are likely to be those psychics a little bit more often than <laughs> generally speaking. And there are always exceptions to this, so I'm certainly not... But I definitely feel like women sometimes are more likely to kind of expect that than, than men are. And, um, you know, I believe that let's set our partners up for success, right, rather than failure. And the way we do that is men and men alike by expressing ourselves, right, openly right. and honestly. And, um, you know, when partners expect the other to know what they want without, you know, kind of without saying it. Um, you know, the partner in a situation where they're actually, in my opinion, more likely to fail, right? I don't think that's setting someone else for success. So, you know, no one likes to be set up to underperform. And again, gender dynamic-wise, I would say men, right? I mean, I hate, you know, to be set up to underperform. Mm -hmm. And they may, you know, I think that will lead to, again, the whole resentment, you know, towards you not helping them succeed, right? right. Like, if you're right. a team presumably you both are in this together and you want both of you, you're invested in you both, you know, everyone to succeed here. So again, expressing, you see this theme of expressing yourself openly and honestly, I really think that's the antidote to a lot of these, um, these issues that come up. And probably one of the biggest ways to sabotage a relationship is ignoring your partner's needs. So whether it's not supporting them, like mm -hmm. you said, or always thinking you're right, just in the end, not being considerate to your partner's feelings and ignoring what they really want out of the relationship. Sure. Well, you know, I think the golden rule is truly golden in that sense. It, you know, let's treat our partners as, as we'd have him or her treat us, right? And so it's a very basic universal principle there. Um, you know, so if you don't listen to, if you don't prioritize your partner's needs, you know, it can be it can be difficult to set this era where they feel like doing that as well. Um, you know, and I think you know sometimes people can get into a sort of wait and see, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, where they where they wait to see if their partner will take the first step before they go ahead and follow suit. Um, you know, then you can get into a stalemate. Who should act first? And it's you know, in my opinion, again, not approaching it as a team, right? right? So be the person to make the first move, right? To give your partner what he or she wants. And again, this goes back and, you know, and believe and truly believe that, hey, if you're together, it's because you truly have, you know, a desire to be on this team together. And the other person is going to, you know, do the same back and, and going to be treating your needs, in you know, reciprocally in that sense. And again, you'll notice this kind of you know, it, it circles back to many of the other points we made in terms of, you know, creating a cycle that is likely to self-generate into you know, a positive cycle where needs are being met by both people, where resentments are minimized. So, um, you know, again, it, you know, making your partner feel he heard and understood by really um, listening and really respecting their needs. Um, especially when they're not exactly what are that, right? And still creating a win and win. That's you know, that's truly sort of mastering this. Yeah, and, and this is great advice for, for all of our listeners and I just wanna recap the ways that we talked about uh, being aware that how you might be sabotaging your relationship because if you're aware of it, then you can act on it. Uh, the first one we talked about is you look for mistakes in your partner. Next one is backing down to avoid conflict. 
and that creates built up resentment. Um, and again, it's important is the answer may lie within within us and and not with the partner. So these are things that we want to be looking introspectively at. The next one we talk about is always wanting to be right in conflict, expecting your partner to be a mind reader. No one's a psychic. And then ignoring your partner's needs. So really important things to to take a look at ourselves and not at our partner and try to fix these. So great stuff to take home. Excellent. What do you find is the most common reason couples struggle in their relationship? You know, I think uh, I think what Chase actually already articulated or we discussed are some of the most common ones. Um, you know, and I think in addition to that, and I know I touched upon it in some of those some of those responses. Um, you know, I think ignoring ge- general gender dynamics um, and expecting us all to to think and act the same um, can be bottleneck also. And I will tell you that I come from a family where I'm one of three sisters. I do grow up with like male cousins right there. I mean, my male cousins were abroad. Um, So for me, gender, I mean, I truly, for me, then, I mean, I I had a loving father, but just, you know, someone, you know, my age, guys were sort of a mystery for me when I was younger. I mean, for me, sort of, I kind of took on when I did my adventures and dating and, you know, I was kind of also in addition, you know, kind of studying guys and what, and, you know, it sounds funny, but truly, um, that was sort of, you know, between the don't date, don't date, don't date, okay, get married, and then just my um, being surrounded and had always had a lot of great women friends, but uh, great girlfriends, but just really grew up more with girls than, than guys. Um, now I have a son and a husband, and now I'm all, you know, I... Now it's, it's really all guys. <laughs> now, well, now I have a son and daughter, which is oh, okay. really interesting because I'm, yeah, yeah. So, I, so anyways, but um, but it's, so it's, it's very, it's, it is kind of interesting in that sense. Um, but this gender dynamics, I find, I find very interesting. And again, not to make, I mean, I, men and women, there are more similarities and differences, but the differences we have are, are quite interesting. And I think they can end up playing out, um, they can end up leading to struggle in relationships if we're not, again, aware of them um, and seeing how they might, you know, how they come to play. And again, generally speaking, you know, we, there's a lot of overlap, but there are some differences that I feel um, exist in the way we approach things. Absolutely. Well, speaking of gender differences, now we are going into the his and her round, where Sarah and I each ask a different question that's on our minds. Sarah, you're up first. <laughs> Okay, well, my question kind of goes to the one point of you always want to be right. What if you're okay. what if you're dating that guy that you feel always wants to be right? How can you maybe talk to him and and tell him your feelings uh, so that it doesn't hurt his feelings, but that he understands where you're coming from and and always thinking that he's always right? Uh, okay, so this really touches upon the expressing ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think again, yeah, no, and I think you're right. I mean, I think it is really important to be able to to express that, right? So the key in this, I would say, is to be able to express it in a way that doesn't make him wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So if he feels like you are kind of pointing the finger and he's clearly wrong, then the way he's going to react to that, whatever you say, almost is quite defensively, right? And right. It's, it's not going to get through to him because he's going to have his defensive barrier right there. So anything you say, I can tell you the most brilliant thing to say, but it's not going to get through. So again, to, to, you know, um, to remove those defenses, to minimize, minimize and putting those defenses up, it's not about sort of you're wrong, I'm right. It's about 
you know, what he, what no one can argue with, right? Which is your feeling. Right. Okay. So it's, you know, again, it becomes not about you're doing X, Y, and Z. It's about, you know what? When this happens, it's not even when you do this. No, it's like when this happens. So, you know, um, when this happens, I feel this. Or even if you take an incident where, you know, something happened. When this happened the other day, you know, this is how it landed on me. I felt, I felt like this. But I'm wondering if we together, right? So again, we're a team, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, um, and, and again, in terms of gender dynamics, I would say guys, they like to be problem solvers, right? Mm -hmm. So again, you know, what do you think? What do you think we can do about this? Right? Give it to him. Instead, you maybe give it to him. What do you think we can do about this? Um, you know, it's a great idea, right? It doesn't hurt to, you know, you know, it's a great idea. What do you think we can do about this? Okay. Let him look at it from that angle and let him come up with ways because then, of course, he's going to have more ownership of what he comes up with, right? So to the extent and, you know, so whatever he comes up with, I would say, you know, almost whatever he comes up with, I would be like, Wow, that sounds like a great, let's try, yeah, okay, yeah, that was a great idea. Let's try that out. And let him have ownership, let him run with it, and see how that plays out, right? Mm -hmm. And, of course, if it doesn't quite work out, again, you go back to the, you know, back to the drawing map and, and do the same thing again. But, um, but, again, the keys here are definitely expressive, not in a way making him wrong, but and making it about your feelings. And, you know, involve him, recruit him for the problem solving and, you know, I think that is a great sort of win-win way to go about this. Excellent. Well, my question is, we talk about how you're really into gender roles and gender identity within a relationship. And I was wondering what you think the most prominent sort of part of our modern society and culture is affecting, how that's affecting gender roles in a relationship. So maybe television or reality shows, what you find to to be affecting um, gender roles in a relationship today in our culture? Sure. And I'm just, um, you know, I'm just going to, you know, one, in terms of gender roles, I'm less sort of in terms of gender roles, more sort of like just gender, like the dynamics, right? So the mm -hmm. differences between right. men and women. Um, so one is a great question. I think, you know, one of the things, I think to some extent sort of the reality television or whatever, just sort of reflect sort of what's going on, right, for us. Um, so, so in terms of that, I would say that one of the most um, just historically sort of unprecedented situations, right, is what we have of more women than men are earning college degrees. I mean, in the, in the with the advanced degrees, I think mm -hmm. I believe more women than men are earning like master's degrees at this point too. I think wow. the levels of med schools are filling up at you know pretty much fifty fifty at this point. So women are no longer a minority in any of those in any of those areas. Mm -hmm. And you know, in the workforce, of course, women and men are both there. They're doing for the most part a lot of the same jobs, right? Like so. And a lot of those jobs, and I will tell you as a former, you know, practicing lawyer, a lot of those jobs do involve, because historically a lot of these jobs were held by men, they do uh, involve more of the sort of the masculine uh, dynamic, right, in terms of the um, the, the sort of uh, competitiveness, in terms of the, you know, all sort of things that go with that constellation of sort of more, more masculine rather than feminine traits, okay? So, right. you know, you have a lot of women that are in that situation in a way that they weren't a generation or two ago as dominantly, as, you know, as it wasn't as prevalent. So that does lead to situations where, okay, 
then um, it can be hard to kind of figure out if that there are women who want to be that, you know, need to be or want to be that way professionally. But then in their personal life, sometimes women say, you know, I want to, you know, I'm in charge of everything. I'm in charge of my staff. I'm in charge of my team at work. I want to let him make the decision. I want to, you know, I don't want to do that at home. I want to kind of lay back a little bit more. I don't want to do that 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about that is, and that's fine, and it's a personal decision if someone wants to do that. But if someone wants to do it, they kind of then have to be able to let him do that. And that can become difficult for people, right, in terms of uh, bringing on the same way they've kind of been doing the 9 to 5 or 9 to probably, um, I don't think there are any job 9 to 5 anymore, so whatever <laughs> is for you, 9 to 7. Yeah. And, you know, and bringing that into the personal life, which, again, if someone wants to, you know, sort of a yin and yang. So it's okay if a woman wants to do that, but then it's hard, then it's difficult if the person wants to do that and not and kind of lean back. So it's a hard, you know, so, you know, I think that um, in terms of that, and again, self-awareness is key, right? So at one, identifying sort of, okay, this is how we want to be or have to be at work. How do we want to be in our personal life? And if it's the same, there's no problem with that, right? Because men and women both have sort of alpha and beta in them, and and, and that is cool. And then you find a guy who sort of uh, can balance that out, and that's and that, and that happens all the time and there's nothing wrong with it. But if, but if your awareness is that you want to kind of lay back more in your personal life, once you're done with that, then, um, then you need to act accordingly and you need to really truly relinquish control and, um, you know, and be the, be more of a yin yang after that dynamic. Excellent. Well, yeah, we, we could do it an entire podcast on, on gender, uh, dynamics and and certainly interesting topic but thank you for your insight on that well now it's time for our favorite part of the interview the lasting love round we'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship we love it our listeners love it so jasbina are you ready to help us build lasting love I am. All right. What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Ah, well, one of my favorite things is what I call the gratitude practice, right? So again, along my theme of we all want to be, it's going to sound very familiar, along my theme of we all want to be heard, appreciated, understood, right? Mm -hmm. Especially by our life partners. So I say take time, how does this look concretely? I say take time each and every day for each of you to articulate something your partner did or said that day, which you really appreciate. Um, that is golden, in my opinion. Love it. Express gratitude. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for couples? Uh, so I think there's, t- there's tons of great stuff out there. Um, if I were to just pick one or two just to kind of be a starting point. Um, I would say pretty much anything by John Gray. And I'm sure you've heard that mm-hmm. uh, name talked around a lot. Yes. And the other thing, and especially speaking to these gender dynamics, I would say Alison Armstrong's work um, it can be really helpful in terms of just, you know, again, raising awareness about gender dynamics. Well, that's great. We will have those authors and, and list of some of their books on our website on your show notes page on idopodcast.com, and they can go there and check out those awesome recommendations you just said. Excellent. We're getting married this year. Is there any advice you would give engaged couples or newlyweds? Ah, so congratulations. Thank you and very much. Thank you. So, <laughs> so 
I get, I'm going to touch to our niche market, and that's because we can kind of go to extremes. So our niche market of Indian Americans tend to do sort of multi-day grand wedding affairs involving the extensive involvement of family. All right? You know, we're not doing so that. Establishing, <laughs> you're not doing that. So you are, well, I'm going to say this, and so you guys are bypassing. So, you know, it's, uh, which, you know, it's, to establish pressure felt conditions where it's possible to lose the forest for the trees and possibly you you realize that and possibly you're sidestepping it. I'm not sure, but uh, but focusing on the wedding and being attentive to you know, the pressures and the sensitivities of family and family friends and all of this, you know, it's time to the detriment of the couple's relationship. So I think it's important, and I don't think you guys maybe already have done that, but I think it's important for engaged couples to really keep foremost in mind but the wedding is a special day, you know, or days in our culture, while the marriage itself is worthy of the utmost care and attention. So um, just keeping that in mind during the whole kind of whirlwind and exciting portion of engagement leading to leading to the wedding, um, that is, in my opinion, a really great way to start. Awesome. Well, thank you for that advice. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? Ah, well, dovetailing with what I just said, right? Yeah. <laughs> a commitment to each other to kind of team you guys, right? So mm-hmm. team Sarah and Chase, a commitment to that and holding, you know, really holding your relationship sacred by doing a lot of the things that we talked about and really sidestepping a lot of the things um, we talked about as well in terms of the sabotage. So um, that is really the best piece, which is going multi-layered. Pretty much everything we've discussed <laughs> falls into that. So, well, that's that's great information, Jasmina, and we've really enjoyed hearing all of your advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. Well, everyone can find me at um, www.intersectionsmatch.com, which is our company. And we have tons of resources on that, um, tons of complimentary resources for people, anything from articles to radio show interviews that we have with, um, you know, distinguished authors and experts in the field. So everyone is welcome to hop on and check out what we have to offer. Perfect. Well, our listeners know they can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. Thank you so much for all the generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today. It's been a pleasure, Sarah and Chase, and really uh, best warmest wishes for an incredible life together. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love? listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com